there's no room for a deal here. Uh, Whitey is 81. Stevie Flemmy is probably 78. He pleaded guilty to a 10-year count. He's never getting out. And Bulger can't be executed for crimes in Massachusetts. And I'm not sure that any of them are federal crimes per se. So I'm not suggesting he could win the case. I, I think he'll lose the case. Uh, he's more reviled, or at least is reviled, by many as Osama bin Laden. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for joining us. I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. My co-host, Bob Ambrosi, is away on business today. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out, How to Get Sued. But we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Clio, a web-based practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com, SunTrust, who offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and law firms at suntrust.com slash law, and Firm Manager from LexisNexis at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Today we're talking about an epic legal case that is beginning to unfold. One of the FBI's 10 most wanted, James Whitey Bulger of Boston, has been captured after 16 years on the run. Bulger was arrested along with his companion, Elizabeth Grieg, in their Santa Monica, California residence after receiving a tip from spots that recently aired in 14 City. Bulger was last seen back in January of 1995 after he fled before his racketeering indictment. He faces federal charges in his alleged role in 19 murders and possibly more. We have three great guests today. Joining us is F. Lee Bailey, a distinguished trial lawyer, author, and lecturer. His phenomenally successful career as a defense lawyer has been highlighted by such high-profile cases as those of Dr. Sam Shepard, the Boston Strangler, and Patty Hearst. And he was a member of the legal defense team for O.J. Simpson. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer, Attorney F. Lee Bailey. Thank you. And our next guest is a lawyer and longtime TV and radio journalist, Dan Ray, from Boston. Dan has covered the Whitey Bulger story for decades in Boston. And Dan has his own talk show called Nightside on WBZ 1030 Radio in Boston that's heard around the country. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer, Dan Ray. Great to be back. And also joining us for the first time today is David Frank. He is a senior news reporter from Massachusetts Lawyers Weekly. As a reporter, David brings an intimate knowledge of the courts, which he honed as a career prosecutor prior to joining Lawyers Weekly. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer as well, David. Thanks for having me. Well, the FBI has been looking for Whitey Bulger for 16 years after he fled before his indictment. He's known as a ruthless mob boss from Boston. An international manhunt's been underway since then with a $2 million reward on his head. And he's going to be appearing allegedly today in Los Angeles to begin a new chapter, a legal journey back to Boston to face a possible trial. The FBI finally caught the 81-year-old Bulger in an apartment in Santa Monica with Catherine Elizabeth Grieg, his longtime girlfriend. Here's a clip from U.S. Attorney Carmen Ortiz taken from today's press conference. Today marks the moment of when James Whitey Bulger will finally face justice for a number of his crimes, including extortion, money laundering, 
RICO conspiracy and RICO murders related to 19 individuals that he is allegedly to have committed. Uh, harboring charges are also pending against Catherine Gregg, and I can tell you that the harboring case is open and uh, we do have an ongoing investigation. Uh, Whitey Bulger uh, will face life in prison if he is convicted of these crimes. Well, let's start with Dan Ray. You've covered this story for case for decades in Boston. Give us some of the backstory of Whitey Bulger's 16 years of freedom. Take us back to when Bulger eluded law enforcement and fled. Well, of course, a lot of that information we're now going to find out. Uh, the 16 years he's, he's been away, actually 16 and a half years, tipped off uh, in 1995 by a former FBI agent, John Conley, uh, who at that point was working for Boston Edison, uh, which was an interesting backstory in of itself. We'll save that for another time. Basically, Belger had been on the road. He had gone out to San Francisco with an older girlfriend, returned to Boston. When he came back, he uh, he heard, uh, he got the tip. Uh, he dropped the old girlfriend, picked up the new girlfriend, Catherine Grieg, and, uh, and headed to parts unknown. Uh, there have been reports over the years that he spent some time down in the Bayou country of Louisiana, that he probably had spent some time in Oklahoma. There have been serious, several sightings of him around the world, none of whom were ever really corroborated. I'm quite surprised that he was living in Santa Monica, California, because uh, a lot of former Bostonians uh, live out there, and uh, I, 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 I am very surprised that that is where Whitey was found. Uh, but clearly, that that's where he and Catherine Gregg were hanging out. It would appear for at least a year. I just got some late information that he had about 30 guns and hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash inside the apartment where he and Ms. Gregg were living. Well, Lee, let's turn to you and, and talk about the charges that Bulger now faces at the age of 81. What's he looking at? Well, he's looking at an awful lot. I have to walk a little carefully because my law partner, Justice Ken Fishman, represented Steve the Rifleman Fleming. Um, and I know some things about the case that arguably are within Fleming's attorney-client privilege, but Fleming did appear in open court, describe a lot of these crimes. He's doing life in Oklahoma for one of the murders, and I suspect he'll be a key witness against Bulger. I would not uh, be too happy if someone assigned me the Bulger defense, as happened to Ken Fishman in the Fleming case. Well, when you get us, when you get a call, we'll, we'll we won't be surprised. Ah. Hey, you know, it, it, this is David Frank, and if I can add it, I've been working on that today at Lawyers Weekly. It's really it's it's very interesting in terms of who is going to be representing. Um, Bulger when he returns to Massachusetts. There are a lot of lawyers, and and Attorney Bailey is is one of them, who have potential conflict issues here. Virtually, you know, it's almost a who's who of of federal criminal defense lawyers in Massachusetts who've had something to do with the case, whether it's representing a co-defendant, a witness, or or some connection to what's going on. And and I was just on the phone with uh, Miriam Conrad, who's over at the Federal Defender's Office. That office can't represent him because they also... Um, had a hand at one point in representing Stephen Fleming. So it's it's a real issue right now. Well, I couldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole for that very reason. David, let's talk about the technical aspects of what's going to happen here. What's the process for extradition, and how's the prosecution going to push that case forward? Well, I mean, right now it's it's Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 5, so Rule 5 that, that applies, and it, it, it entitles Bolger to a hearing, to an initial appearance in California, the district where he was um, where he was arrested. And the, the, the question before the court, it will be one of, of identity. It's an identity hearing or a removal hearing. And the only thing that the, the government has to prove at that point is that the man before the court is the same man, Whitey Bulger, James Whitey Bulger, 
who's wanted on these charges in Massachusetts. Bolger would also have the opportunity to request a, a detention hearing, although some of the sources I've talked to on the California side have told me they, they don't expect that that's the argument that'll be made now. That'll be an issue for, for another day, if at all. But right now, the, the question in California is strictly one of whether or not he's the same person, and it does not appear that that is a contested issue. It, it's expected, I think Carmen Ortiz said um, earlier today, that Bulger will be back in the, in the jurisdiction in Massachusetts um, early next week. Lee, since you're conflicted out on this, we can ask you, what kind of a defense would you offer uh, for Bulger? Uh, I think the only thing one can do is challenge the integrity of the government's witnesses because, by and large, the case will rest on others who claim that they have personal knowledge of what Bulger did. Uh, unfortunately, you know, although these people are not saints, there is quite a long list. Uh, Dan, the, this case has been a blemish on the FBI's record since Whitey Bulger vanished, and especially with his informant status. Uh, what do you know about that? Well, this case is bigger than Whitey Bulger because, from my perspective, uh, having worked uh, on a on a sort of a almost a companion case, uh, a murder case that was tried in 1968, uh, all of this uh, relationship between and amongst the FBI and uh, and these bad guys, uh, these informant bad guys, uh, whether they were uh, Whitey Bulger or Stephen Fleming or Joe Barbosa all sort of dates back to the 1964-65 time frame when uh, some FBI agents, uh, most specifically a guy named Paul Rico and Dennis Condon, developed high, top echelon informants and basically worked with a guy named Joseph Barboza to, um, uh, to put mobsters in jail. Unfortunately, um, Barboza was perjuring himself on the witness stand, and although some bad guys were indeed being sent to jail, uh, they were being sent to jail for crimes they did not commit. Uh, and, and that particular case ultimately resulted in a $101 million a civil judgment uh, in favor of two men who spent a combined total of about 63 years in jail and two other men who perished in jail but had spent substantial time in jail. Bottom line is that you had a series of FBI agents, Rico Condon, uh, morphing into John Conley, into John Morris, and others, you had a series of uh, informants, beginning with Barbosa uh, and uh, Vincent Flemmy, uh, then Stephen Flemmy and Whitey Bulger, and you had a series of victims, uh, some people who were murdered and buried on beaches in and around Boston, others who spent uh, decades in prison for crimes they didn't commit because of this conspiracy between uh, now uh, deceased or retired FBI agents and mobsters. Uh, and it, it worked beautifully for many, many years uh, but the damage that it did to the reputation of the FBI in Boston uh, is unimaginable. And I truly believe that when Whitey Belger left, there was really no serious effort to find him for several years, uh, that the FBI wanted some time to pass. And I think that now a new a group of agents, um, a new, new class of agents, none of whom probably were even working for the FBI uh, when Bulger fled, uh, ultimately now are going to bring him to justice. But it's a really, it's a sordid chapter, and I think you can't forget the, the realization of the fact that Whitey Bulger has, has spent 16 and a half years on the run, but 16 and a half years free on the run when he should have been in jail for that period of time. Lee, what about what Dan's saying? Is that something that you would put into the defense of the case, the FBI's con uh, complicitness in, in his, his fleeing? I would use it to blackmail the FBI. 
Um, they certainly were dirty in the Barboza case, as the civil judge found. And incidentally, I think that judgment has now been paid. Yes, it I, has. It was paid, Lee. The last decision, I believe, that Elena Kagan made as solicitor general was to not to uh, seek certiorari at the Supreme Court last April 30th, a year ago. And those, those monies, a total of $110 million, have been paid to the uh, uh, to, to those people who were wrongfully incarcerated. That That was wrapped up about a year ago. Well, you had a big hand in the fact that that happened. Barboza was my client. Barboza tried to correct the perjury that had put four people in the electric chair until the Supreme Court outlawed capital punishment. Nobody in Massachusetts, the Attorney General, the Mass Supreme Judicial Court, nobody would listen to him. They almost killed three innocent people in the electric chair. So I think this whole thing is a shabby a mess, and it is not just the FBI. Others, highly uh, important elected official and judges as well, behave very, very badly in this whole FBI reign of terror. And I do agree with Dan. The new regime wants no part of that kind of business. Uh, they're a good, clean bunch. I know some of them, and Paul Rico's ghost is a burden they're just going to have to bear. And I mean, the only thing I would respond, though, is that it, it, it certainly would be a part of the evidence if there is a trial in this case. But I, from a legal perspective, I don't see how the FBI's wrongdoing would help exonerate Bulger. It would, it would certainly not make the FBI look good. It would make them, in many ways, rightfully so, um, appear to be sort of part of the criminal um, actions that were taking place. But whether that would be grounds for an acquittal on Bulger, I, I have a hard time seeing that. It wouldn't be any grounds at all. I said he would try to blackmail them. That's obviously to right. get a deal. There's no room for a deal here. Uh, Whitey is 81. Stevie Fleming is probably 78. He pleaded guilty to a 10-year count. He's never getting out. And Bulger can't be executed for crimes in Massachusetts. And I'm not sure that any of them are federal crimes per se. So I'm not suggesting he could win the case. I, I think he'll lose the case. Uh, he's more reviled, or at least as reviled, by many as Osama bin Laden, who could not have gotten a very juicy trial. Is there, is there the anything United the government States. can offer? I, uh, is there anything they the government can offer to, to sort yeah, of incentivize? They can offer him about 150 years instead of 200. No, but what I'm saying, is there anything the government, if they sit down with Bulger and his counsel, is there anything they can offer him by way of an incentive to encourage him to talk? Absolutely. Or? One huge incentive. I'd say that all things... Remaining as they are, Bulger will go to Florence to live out his days. Everybody's terrified of that hole in the rock in Colorado, place of confinement, uh, which is what Fleming got out of the whole deal. Could be a very, very juicy uh, temptation to keep Bulger from blowing his lid for the public. Dan, what about uh, the charges against Catherine Grieg? Are they going to stick? Is, it, uh, is that a good case? Well, I, I think the one potential leverage point uh, that that maybe uh, the, F, the FBI or the prosecutors, I should say, would have with uh, Bulger would be a promise uh, to treat Catherine Grieg uh, better um, in, in court than maybe she otherwise would be treated. Um, she obviously had stuck with him for 16 and a half years. Many of us had speculated uh, whether or not when they found Whitey Bulger, if they found Whitey Bulger, if Catherine Grieg uh, would would still be there. Some of us thought that 
at some point in time he might have perceived her to be an albatross and uh, and might have done to her what he had done to to other people. So if there genuinely is a um, a relationship between Bulger and Grieg, one of one of the things that I think you know uh, the the government might be able to do is is to promise uh her promise to him that she would be be treated more favorably uh, you know if he could provide any information against others and I think that there might be some members of the Bulger family uh today who uh, would be a little concerned if if they have in any way shape or form aided abetted or encouraged um uh, his his flight for the last 16 and a half years Lee, what about all this stale evidence that the prosecutors are going to have to put on? Is that going to fly? Are there people's memories going to change? And do we really have a good case against, um, or does a prosecutor really have a good case against Bulger? Well, it's almost a documented case because the evidence has been very firm on quite a number of the murders, some of which are gruesome, cowardly, and really turn the stomach. I should point out, however, that the case against Catherine Grigg is far from open and shut. I'm, I'm not sure that simply traveling with someone uh, is harboring or otherwise aiding and abetting him. She was kind of dragged along like a dog on a leash, albeit willingly. That case might be defensible, but um, in commenting on Dan's speculation that Whitey might do something good for her, Whitey would much rather do something good for Whitey. What are we going to expect as we get through the prosecution? Are we going to see a trial within this year? I think the cops will make a deal. I think they have to make a deal. They don't need Whitey's, and I'm sure, enhanced explanations of the bad things they did broadcast one more time. It's, I mean, And on top of that, I mean, we just finished with the, um, the, the public corruption trial of Sal DeMacy and, and Richard McDonough and Richard Vitale, the former House Speaker in Massachusetts, and I mean, if you're asking if this case, if the, if it did go to trial, and I agree with Attorney Bailey, I don't think that's the route this 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 does go. But if if you were talking about a trial, I would be very surprised, if not shocked, to see it happen within 12 months. I mean, this is a case that obviously involves many years of of um, of alleged conduct, the the discovery and the preparation that would go into just getting ready for this trial w- would take would take some time, and uh, it would be the exception, not the rule, to have a case go to trial within 12 months in, in, in U.S. District Court. Dan, what about the the family members of the victims? Are they going to be clamoring for a trial? A lot of the family members themselves have passed on or, or moved on. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think some family members might like to have a trial and, and have it all laid out uh, in great specificity, and others might just be satisfied uh, to see him uh, locked up behind bars for the rest of his life. I, I think that there probably would be just as the family members of 9/11. There's kind of there's a broad spectrum of disagreement amongst them as to how things should proceed going forward. I suspect that amongst the the, the multitude of, of, of victims that Bulger and Flemmy uh, had, that there would be a, a multitude of, of of opinions. I don't know if, if Lee or David would agree with me on that, but that's yeah. What I, would think. I mean, the, the one thing I'd say, I mean, it comes up. In, in in most criminal cases, but particularly ones like this with so many family members and and victims who are impacted by it, I mean you're, you're not going to have you're not going to have everybody agreeing. You're not going to have unanimity, and ultimately, it's the it's the federal government's call. This isn't a case where the vi- Bulger's victims or alleged victims are bringing this case to court. This is a case where the United States of America has returned criminal indictments against Whitey Bulger, and they call the shots. Certainly. 
They consult with members of the victim's family and, and the victims. But at the end of the day, Carmen Ortiz gets paid the big bucks to, to make the call that she thinks is appropriate. Lee, do we need to have a trial to air the FBI's dirty laundry? Is this a chapter that we need to have sorted out in front of the, the public and, and uh, get some reform made there? I don't think so. First of all, I think the reform has pretty much taken place. The FBI got hammered badly in the civil judgments based on Barboza's perjury. Paul Rico died while under indictment for murder in Oklahoma. I think he was in his late 70s. And it's a different era. I guess it's like going back in history and giving Richard Nixon more punishment for Watergate. Uh, Enough is enough as I said the day that uh, he was pardoned by Gerald Ford. And I think in this case, you've got Bulger. It took an awful long time to get him. It may be that some who were still in jeopardy needed to retire and get out of the picture before efforts were made to really pin him down. doesn't seem reasonable it took 16 years. But I think those who are guilty of misconduct are pretty much gone, and the Bureau needs to function without any more Whitey Bulger stories hanging over their heads in the tabloids. Uh, Lee, this is Dan Ray. Uh, Just a a quick uh, comment and also sort of a a question for you on this one. Um, I would argue that the Bulger-Flemmy FBI fiasco is well-known in Boston, but not especially well-known nationwide. And you remember when you were testifying at the congressional hearings in Washington uh, in the early uh, 2000s, uh, there was a, a move by a couple of members of Congress to take Jagger Hoover's name off the FBI building because Hoover's uh, fingerprints were all over the um, uh, the Lamoni Salvati uh, Barbosa case, uh, and yet that move from a by a, a very liberal Democrat uh, in uh, from the state of Georgia and a very conservative Republican from the state of Indiana died, and Hoover's name is still on the FBI building uh, in Washington. Uh, I, I think there would be some benefit for the public nationwide to understand the depths of depravity that were going on here in Boston for, you know, close to 30 years. And that one of the things that symbolically should be done is Hoover's name should be removed from that FBI building. Am I way off base on that? No, I was uh, certainly sympathetic to the suggestion that the FBI building is ineptly named. J. Edgar Hoover was not a credit to the United States of law enforcement. He was a weird little man who was very self-serving, very autocratic, and a mean boss. And he knew full well that those four people you mentioned were framed for murder. I'm looking at the here and the now. We have all kinds of sins of the past to ruminate over. We've got a handful of problems right now. I just don't think flagellating an FBI of 20 years ago is where we need to spend our energy. I admit it would uh, make fascinating reading. Maybe someone will do yet one more book. Maybe it'll be Whitey Bulger. But uh, but is, uh, I mean, it's the purpose of the trial, and I I think I'm I'm with uh, Mr. Bailey on this. But it, I mean, the purpose of the trial is not to send a message to the nation about how corrupt the FBI was during this era. It's not about. Um, about righting wrongs that have been that have been done throughout this case. It's about prosecuting two individuals for for criminal offenses. And so I I I, I think it would be it would be great theater to to watch this unfold in the courtroom. But 
that that I don't think is part of what is motivating or what should be motivating the U.S. attorney. Gentlemen, it's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have much more on James Whitey Bulger when the when Lawyer to Lawyer returns in just a minute right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process? No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in, less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com slash legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE. Click on it and start listening. Or go to westlegaledcenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to legaltalknetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. My co-host, Bob Ambrosi, is away on business today. Our guests today are F. Lee Bailey, a distinguished trial lawyer, author, and lecturer, 
Dan Ray, lawyer and longtime TV and radio journalist from Boston, and David Frank, senior reporter for Lawyers Weekly. And before the break, we were talking about whether it was really necessary to dredge up all of this old history of the FBI from 20 and 30 years ago and the things that have gone on. And part of this story was told in the movie The Departed, which was about Whitey Bulger and portrayed by Jack Nicholson. And there are some pretty heinous crimes described in there. Yeah, but Craig, um, this, Craig this is Dan, if I, Dan Ray. If I could just interrupt for one second, I just want to quickly comment on what David said. Um, is and and that is this that I truly do believe, and I'm I'm not trying to disagree with David or Lee, but I do believe that the depths of depravity which uh, uh, which existed in this FBI office in Boston for nearly 30 years, and it wasn't all of the agents in that office. There were great agents in that office, honest agents, but there was a considerable number. Of, there were a considerable number of agents who engaged uh, not just in one uh, you know malicious prosecution uh, or or cover up. I think that sunlight is the ultimate greatest disinfectant, and that there should be uh, an, an effort to to change the image of the FBI. And I think that that, that this this should be this should be utilized to get Hoover's name off that building. You know, it is always these institutions, whether it's the Catholic Church with Cardinal Law, or whether it was Richard Nixon with the plumbers in Watergate. Uh, everyone sort of circles the wagon and tries to protect the institution. I'm not trying to hurt the institution here, but I think the institution was badly flawed, and the single most corrective measure that could be done would be to make people aware of what went on in Boston, Hoover knew about it, and get um, his name off that building. And that would be a, that would be a just outcome of the, the capture of Bulger. There were many people 24 hours ago who figured, including me, that the FBI would never find Bulger. So no, my but Dan, I, 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 don't, I agree with everything you just said. It, my only point is, and I think that the frustration level can come out in cases like this, I, I, I agree with every point you made, take his name off the building t- today, if, if I you know, was, was calling the shots. I just don't know that a criminal trial inside a courtroom in, in Boston is the vehicle... For, it, for which that can happen. That, that's all I'm trying to say. Okay, and, and I don't I don't disagree with that. I'm just I'm just frustrated that at the end of the day here, the FBI will have righted the ship, uh, but having righted the ship, uh, they have never corrected the um, the biographical information of the agency and, and school children for you know decades to come will think Jago Hoover was this great crime fighter and uh, when he was anything but. Well. Uh, let me comment on that in a couple of respects. Number one, would a trial of Whitey Bulger result in the kind of exposure and incrimination of older FBI agents that Dan espouses? Uh, as close as one can possibly come to that event, which will be speculation until it happens, you have to take a look at the handling of Stevie Fleming, who knew everything Bulger knew, knew the bad guys, And when Ken Fishman, who was commended by Judge Wolf as having rivaled John Adams in professional courage for the defense he put up for Stevie Fleming, when he was confronted with the need for evidence about FBI misconduct, he put it in. He didn't try to make a parade out of it. I question whether a good lawyer, and Bulger will probably get a good lawyer um, from the hundreds of thousands of dollars that were found in his apartment or otherwise, whether a good lawyer would put his name on that kind of proceeding because he'll be around long after Bulger goes. Number two, I agree with Dan. The Hoover name should be permanently 
besmirched. Uh, he's a bad example for kids to look up to. He's a bad example for young agents to look up to. That is a matter for a congressional hearing, and a congressional hearing, in my view, is warranted to find out just why it took so long to find Whitey Bulger. And there, there have to be answers to that. The FBI has lots of resources within and without the agency. Osama bin Laden taking 10 years. We pretty much know why that happened. Whitey Bulger, we haven't got a clue. And it seems unlikely that one guy, however clever, could outwit the entire agency, all its informants, and all its money for 16 years without something going for him. Well, gentlemen, it's, we're near the end of our show, and it's time to wrap up to get your final thoughts about this uh, sordid affair, both with the FBI and the amount of time it's taken to, to get Whitey Bulger and, and now what he's going to be facing. So, um, Dan Ray, let's start with you. Well, I would, I would just again say I think Lee put it in, in perfect perspective, as he um, genuinely does. Uh, uh, I, um, I, I share those, uh, those emotions, and the, I, I, I think the chapter is closed, uh, but I think there's an epitaph that needs to be written, and, and I think it should be written with a congressional hearing. My concern is that unless this case is better known throughout the country, uh, very few members of Congress will have an interest in, in championing the cause of removing Hoover's name from the building. And David, do you do you think we're going to see a sequel here for The Departed? Well, we we certainly are. If it's if it's not a sequel, we're getting uh, you know some some extra parts for the uh, for the DVD because this is a day that I don't think a lot of people thought would be coming. And uh, whether this case goes to trial or, or not, there, there's no doubt that. Seeing Whitey Bolger in a courtroom as a criminal defendant to face some of these charges is a day that a lot of people have um, have waited for, and 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 there's no doubt that the, there's going to be some memorable moments between uh, now and the end of this case. And David, do you want to uh, promote your your position here on Lawyers Weekly and where we can read more about this? Sure, um, it's uh, Massachusetts Lawyers Weekly. I'm actually the managing editor over at the, at the paper. And uh, we have a, a website, which you can find at uh, lawyersweekly.com. We, we've just uh, actually, I just posted a, an item about the, the search for, uh, for Bolger's legal team, so addressing some of the topics that we, we've discussed here, mainly some of the, the conflict of interest difficulties that, that, could, that could make it uh, difficult for, uh, for Bolger to get, to get a lawyer. Obviously, he will. And I would uh, promote and ask anybody to uh, check out the website. Before we give Lee the final word, uh, Dan, let's let, let's hear about WBZ. Well, real simple. We're on every Monday through Friday night from eight to uh, midnight East Coast time on WBZ ten thirty AM uh, on on the uh, the AM dial, and uh, we're heard in about thirty eight states. But if you you can also find us on the computer uh, cbsboston.com, dot uh, com and uh, check out the webpage cbsboston.com dot com slash nightside, and we also stream live twenty four seven. So no matter where you are. In the United States of America, you can listen to Nightside if you so choose. Great. Well, thanks very much. And Lee, we'll give you the final word, and you can wrap it up for us. Final word is, it is a good thing that Whitey Bulger is no longer a mystery as to his whereabouts. I doubt he'll see the light of day again. He probably doesn't have too many years to think about that, but I look forward, as always, to uh, meeting my friend Dan Ray on Nightside this evening. We'll see you tonight, Lee. Thanks very much. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate you being on the show. So for our listeners, remember you can get 
CLE credit through West Legal Ed Center for listening to Select Legal Talk Network podcasts. You can go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on the West Legal Ed Center. You can also find all Legal Talk Network shows on iTunes. We'll be back again next week with another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.